right, everybody, what's up? This is the Lit and Lucid podcast. We're recording live in the Mile High with our special guests from F420 Films. We have Andy Caldwell and Vince Chandler. What's up, guys? Uh, hey, how are we doing? <laughs> All right, we're here with episode 12 uh, with F420 Films. So they're a 420 friendly production and media strategy company. They focus on video production that includes a strong emphasis on documentary narratives. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Our friend Andy here, he was on the team for the Pulitzer Prize winner for the Jerry Sandusky scandal back in 2011. Our friend Vincent was the creator of the cannabis show with the Denver Post. And he was also what I thought was pretty cool. He was Emmy nominated for Yoga with a View in his lifestyle coverage for that. Regional, but still yeah. pretty rad. Still yeah, it's a good party, awesome. man. More of an yeah. Emmy than I have. <laughs> <laughs> Regional Emmy still sounds cool. So we've had a Pulitzer Prize winner and a you know Emmy nominee here on the show. No big deal today, you guys. MVP. It makes us sound so <laughs> impressive. We're really just two dudes with cameras that like to shoot cool stuff. Sometimes it's in focus. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and when it's not, we call it art. <laughs> Oh, that's great. All right. <laughs> Pleasure having you both on the show. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for um, having us. Yeah. As always, it should be a good episode. Um, for Just to start off, these guys do have a podcast, Nerd AF. I'm sure you can figure out what the AF stands for. It's a <laughs> naughty <laughs> word, though. Are we allowed to swear on this? <laughs> yes. Good. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so just starting off, make sure you support those guys um, as well. Uh, good stuff over there. Yeah, Maybe as you are writing your uh, your reviews and ratings for this show, write one for Nerdea <laughs> as well. Go. Give it five stars. Remember to comment. It helps. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you guys obviously do a lot, for sure. So I'm excited to hear you guys' backgrounds. I'm sure it's pretty interesting, pretty in-depth. So why don't we start with you, Andy? Tell us a little bit about yourself from start to how you got here. Sure. Uh, I've always liked stories. I've always tried to tell good stories. And growing up, I was the guy who would tell stories that were too long and would ramble. Um, I got that from my dear departed grandfather who would go on these tangents and they were really interesting. I'm not sure how factual they were, but when I was a journalist in training, I always thought I'm gonna do a better job telling a story with pictures than I could with words. So that carries forward till now where what we do is a lot of documentary based photo and video work uh, for companies, for social media accounts, that kind of thing. But the end of the day, my whole job is to come away from everything I see and do with a good story about it. I take pictures and selfies at a lot of, uh, pretty much everything Fucking I do. Everywhere. Fucking <laughs> everywhere. It's just, he's going to pull the camera yeah. out. It's going to be worth it. It's true. for the picture, That's but true. it's fucking everywhere. Everybody rolls their eyes, <laughs> and I, I send the picture, yeah. and they're like, oh, The picture's super these. cute. He gets 180 likes on Facebook. <laughs> right. Everybody loves the shit out of it. we got to be yeah. Facebook so, and Instagram friends. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It. Yeah. It's <laughs> at Andy Caldwell on, on Insta, Insta and Twitter. Um, but yeah, so I, I worked as a newspaper photographer for five years almost, and then uh, spent all my time in Pennsylvania until I was about 26. Then I moved out here to work with Vince, doing what I was doing for him as a freelancer, traveling back from Pennsylvania to Colorado a couple times a year. And uh, now we work together, and we hang out together. We, we call ourselves co-founders, uh, filmmakers, and best friends. 
It's kind of our tagline. It's a moniker worth living up to. Yeah. <laughs> so our business it's in our cards. Email signature. We're adorable. We're, just so we're super you guys are so cute. We're not, I started oh, doing you. that after you guys did that. PM. Yeah, I did. I noticed that. I was really we're, excited about it. I really it. loved yeah. it. So when we sign our emails, we we share an email account at F four twenty Films and. Uh, we were trying to figure out how to sign emails because we do speak pretty well for one another. We're usually in sync, and so uh, whoever writes the email signs it with their name, and then we always pr- uh, put in parentheses the other person just so that they're always included in the chain. And we're really cute sure like that. We're not. Yeah. We're not married. His wife. <laughs> his wife went to high school with me, and I'm. Yeah, I, I adore him. We are doing I, a wonderful job know. of raising my 15 month old daughter That's together, true. though. So she parents him. That's yeah, right. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. 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 Yeah, right? Well, and we really <laughs> joke great. that she comes to work with us, and it's like it feels like every other day is take your daughter to work day. And so there, are, our it's Instagram is littered with really cute pictures of Zoe, and we joke that she's the the CEO, Zoe Executive <laughs> Officer of F420 <laughs> Films. We kind of shun traditional titles. Vince is a video ninja. I'm the director of first impressions. Um, it's kind of like he's the director of photography, really, and I'm the guy that makes the company kind of stay on the rails. He knows how to do business stuff. It's true. It's yeah. very impressive. And cool. Vince makes really pretty pictures Things and knows a lot yes. of people. So it's, yeah. That's so awesome. here we are doing cool stuff together, having a really good time with it. I love it. That's I love awesome. It too. You I guys are both millennials. Too, yeah. We're both millennials, yep. and we went to college together. Didn't really know each other at the time. Um, his... Yeah, we were always kind of like one semester across from one another, in uh, in semester at uh, in classes in uh, Penn State. And my dad is a an instructor at Penn State, and had Andy in many of his classes. And arranged a play date for us about a year after uh, <laughs> after I graduated. I was living in North Carolina, and uh, yes, yeah. Andy was visiting a mutual friend, uh, Jill Knight. Shout out to Jill Knight Photography, uh, another wonderful millennial. And uh, while he was in North Carolina, my dad was like, "Well, you two are going to go play together, and 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 have breakfast and see if you get along." And and so we met one another, and we were like, "Okay, so you exist. That's nice. Here's my cool. number. Here's your number." And over the next, uh, I'll do my little bit of my background now. Uh, over the next four or five years, uh, well, actually, literally over the next year, my wife and I did five states. Um, we moved from North Carolina to uh, to Massachusetts, where she was. Uh, my wife was working on an awesome farm for Heifer International, very cool NGO and nonprofit. Okay. Check out heifer.org. Um, I'll just plug well, everything that I mentioned all day. Plug everybody. Yeah, um, yeah, but check out Heifer. And then uh, after she finished her time at Heifer, we. Went back to Pennsylvania, um, and I was freelancing and shooting there a little bit. I did a very cool story on Memorial Day because Bullsburg, Pennsylvania, claims they were the birthplace birthplace of uh, Memorial Day, and I got to learn how absolutely loud a 10-pound mortar cannon is when it goes off into your shotgun microphone while you were responsibly wearing your headphones, holding it about a foot away from said cannon. Holy shit, was that loud. But now that I'm hearing again... He had a blast with it. If you will. Um, and then after, after we did a little bit of time in PA, uh, I was hired by Arkansas State University to be, Arkansas State University to be their adjunct uh, multimedia instructor and a specialist in the College of Com. And uh, so I packed up again, and my lady and I headed to Northeast Arkansas, and we lived in Northeast Arkansas, which was exactly what you're picturing right now. Um, but some of the most wonderful people in the world, and I, and I, and I absolutely miss that College of Communications frequently, uh, because I was only there for eight weeks to the day, because that is when um, the Denver Post called me, because they were starting up two digital initiatives, um, DPTV, a, uh, an in-house studio-driven uh, 
studio-driven television production company, really. And it was fucking insanely aggressive where there were nine shows they wanted to do from a two-hour daily live sports talk show that starred uh, Woody Page of ESPN Around the Horn uh, fame. Love you, Woody. And uh, I'll go go follow at Woody Page. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's what he is. And 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 Denver uh, sports personality Les Shapiro. And uh, we did that for uh, about two years. And uh, we went took me to two Super Bowls and had a really good time. And around that, we were doing eight other shows, including the Cannabis Show, which was a, a once weekly, 45-ish, two-hour-ish talk show centered on the cannabis industry that was emerging and building for the you know first time in fucking history here in Colorado and uh, and they were like well do you want to move here and do that and I said yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> sure. and I went home and I looked at Kylie who you know shout out to Kylie who mm-hmm. I love um, I looked at her I was like hey we've lived here for six weeks what do you think <laughs> about moving to Denver and she went well I think I unpacked the last box today and recycled it which means she had to take it to the recycling center because this is Arkansas they don't yeah. do recycling pickup um, and she went we can move because yes we should move to Denver and you should go do that but you are packing the entire house you are putting it all into the truck and you are taking it all back out yourself while I drink wine and watch which she did. It was very impressive, but I was like, wow. There were times where I was like, are you really just going to, this is, you're still just watching. She's like, yeah, that's what I'm doing for this entire move. But brought us to Denver and brought the, you know, I got to help build the cannabis. And, uh, uh, you know, it was the Denver Post was one of the, you know, the country's greatest visuals newspaper. And it was an absolute honor to be added to that historic staff. And I got to work with, uh, you know, people like Pulitzer Prize, two-time Pulitzer Prize winner Craig Walker. And uh, the, just the direction and the aggressive building that the Post was doing at that point was a very exciting to, uh, to be a part of, even if it was brief, unfortunately. No. But, you know, years later, left the Post in uh, November 17, and that brought us to F420. And the cannabis was really what helped lay the backbone of F420. We used it to explore creative services and uh, commercial production work, which is what brought Andy out here. He was the stringer and freelancer we hired to do all of the commercial work at the Cannabis. So and explain so, to people what that means. Like, what is commercial work? Commercial work was any uh, video or photo project that was not shot by and shot for the Denver Post editorial pages, the, the editorial storytelling, the, what we call nonfiction storytelling. Uh, the commercial work I was hired to do was um, external to that. So it was what you would see in banner ads, what you would see in ads that would pre-roll before videos. Um, it would be what, what uh, BuzzFeed and other places call sponsored content. Yeah. We did cooking shows, we did restaurant or um, recipe reviews, uh, that kind of work. Sponsored strain reviews. Sponsored strain reviews. Uh, that included lives. Oh man, we were doing really cool stuff. We did a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. And it was enough that the Post realized that they were behind on the times and what they needed to do with this. And so they kept giving more and more work to me. And then uh, that set the groundwork for what F420 Films became. Because Vince and I were working together pretty regularly with the stuff that I was doing for that. Um, and we realized that since he was on the, the editorial side, he was on the, the, the journalism side of it, that trying to work together was kind of muddying the waters between commercial and the editorial stuff, which we try very hard to keep separate. And I would not do uh, cannabis journalism when I was shooting for The Post because I was doing all of their cannabis ad work. 
if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Oh, I see, yeah. Right, so you can't yeah. double dip. Yeah, I see. Right, um, and so I, I started originally doing that, uh, that journalism. I covered election night 2016 for um, the Initiative 300 watch party. Yeah, get your act together, Denver. Yeah, public here we are. Years ago, we voted on I 300. Yeah, like what the fuck is going on with that? Right, just to put that out there real quick. Yeah. So, so that's that's how. (laughs) So, so that's that that was what commercial work was. Commercial work is a lot of what the background back backbone of our company is right now. Uh, doing uh, storytelling and uh, branded storytelling for companies, telling about a company or a brand through photo and video in a way that they can promote as um, who we are kind of uh, content for yeah. all of their platforms. I have Kesha in my head now because you said who we are. Who we are, that's we right. Are that that's right. So you have <laughs> like branding and like things like that, like PR as well? And... We work really closely with Grasslands, the journalism-minded content agency that Ricardo Baca uh, founded. Um, and Episode 9. Yeah. yeah. And go give it a Ten. listen. Yeah. yeah. And so we work with them for a lot of the, the, brand, the, the branded work, the social media, the marketing. What we do is help companies find a visual identity. Not in terms of a logo or a, um, a, type, a type kit or anything like that specifically for the graphic design. We do pictures and video that they can use to tell the story about their companies. Even as basic, as basic stuff as just headshots for your company, all the way through who we are kinds of videos, VR walkthroughs. Um, 360 VR, drone drone work. Very cool VR. Yeah. yeah. So the next biggest thing ever. <laughs> exactly, and you're not alone in that. Nerd, so uh, Nerd AF was actually one of the reasons we recorded the way we do was so that we could learn how to do Dolby 5.1 recording, so we can do fully immersive 360 oh gosh, wow. um, audio. We're nerds, uh, and we love finding excuses <laughs> yeah. to get other people to pay us to do the cool stuff that we've always <laughs> wanted to do, and and so we've been pushing that really hard. And then everything from wonderful corporate side projects like that to also helping companies that want to do like online media reach out like um an edibles company that wants to do a youtube presence or something like that or a yoga channel that wants to do a really high-end youtube uh presence or something like that can shoot well we can help build those kind of video strategies for them including things like facebook live and ongoing weekly social media campaigns working with a couple dispensary clients who want us to shoot uh, in-house advertising for their in-store displays, which is not a new concept that's been going on since legalization began. And what we try to bring to it, a different kind of storytelling bent. It's not going to be an ad like you see on TV with stiff actors and, you know, see if this strain is for you. You know, none of that crap. (laughs) We try to show what's going on, who's important, issues that matter, uh, introduce brands to people that haven't heard of them or in- reintroduce them to people who didn't know that they are doing something new. I like that angle. Yeah. I think to get people interested, you have to make them feel. You have to make them connected. And so what better way than just tell a story, which is, yeah, it's not, I mean, so that's what the difference would be. It would be most commercials you see on TV are just things like thrown together, kind of like clunky. Yeah. And it's like thrown to you. There's like big words and it's strong. Right. You guys are like soft touch, soft tone. Let's tell the soft story of this, so the consumer sees it. They're like, "Wow, I can totally relate to that." We want to be accessible, relatable, and reproducible. The news background in us and the journalism background in us, we were always trying to take complicated stories, very hard to tell scenarios, something that's really big from everything from legislative processes to what's going on in regions that are being affected by poverty. 
things like that and uh and boil it down to a way that every person can understand it in a three-minute video and so we're taking that expertise and taking cultural identities and finding a way to get a mass audience to identify with it and watch it and actually learn something in a way that they take away and want to discuss it yeah Yeah. we try to make visuals um be a key part for companies that hire us Uh, a lot of companies put a lot of effort into branding into packaging into um the, the swag that they give away of course the product and the quality too but um, the human eye processes visual information 60,000 times faster than the printed word. So we try to take that really seriously in that what we're producing is oftentimes the first thing that your customers or soon to be hopeful customers are going to see. So we take that super seriously because as journalists that was our job. You know, make a picture that, that captures the attention of, of a reader on the front page or on the website or on an Instagram profile. We're now trying to turn that into something that a brand can use to leverage their identity and their presence in this industry. And we try to make that unique to every company that hires us. Yeah, and I think that in its own helps the brand because it makes the company unique. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Brand. Absolutely, yeah, huge. no doubt. <clears throat> and that is like when people think of branding, I feel like, Jesus, that's a lot of like what branding is, tells a story. Yeah. Which you're doing it perfectly because what is the best media now to showcase your content? What's the most engaging media? Yeah, mm. that's right. it. Video, no. audio, yeah, something that somebody can yeah. stumble upon and get stuck in. Yeah, yeah. We would love to be the thing that somebody gets distracted by at work. Right. You know, we would <laughs> love we to all be love distractions. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when you're scrolling through your Instagram feed, we want our pictures that we shoot for a company to be the thing that you stop and look at and go and like and keep looking for more. Yeah. Or if one of our videos in a screenshot tweet, like, this went off with sound on in a meeting, I'm like, fuck yeah, that'd be pretty rad. That's a, that's a dream worth having kids, right? We, so so <laughs> the, the, the default for a lot of people for watching online video is to have it play without sound, right. to autoplay on mute. And so our whole goal is to be able to tell a story visually through video in a way that you can without hearing a single sound from it, both from an ADA and accessibility standpoint, which is more and more a requirement for a lot of companies to have oh, captioned video and things for people to, to watch it who can't hear it, but also for the people who I know are watching yeah. uh, during meetings and, you know, <laughs> uh, when they're, right, when they're sitting like on the right couch. Now, like right now while we record this. Right, call. right. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like what Vince is doing right now. That's the whole point. We want to stop people Watch in their the tracks. Track. We want to stop people in their tracks and make them say, oh, that's cool. wonder what that company does. Their pictures are really pretty. That's so true. So, you know, yeah. this will be great for you guys. This is great like feedback from the consumer. So last night, scrolling through Facebook, it's crazy. I just like watched a video and Facebook has this like nice thing now where it just auto plays after that. Random videos, like sometimes related, sometimes they're not. Went down the rabbit hole like six videos later. I'm sitting there engrossed in these advertisements for <laughs> this guy's riding a bike, and it's through all these different like cultural areas. And at the very end, it wasn't until the very end I, I like realized what it was for, and it wasn't until the very end the company like plugged, obviously. But what was cool was this guy's riding this mountain bike down like the like the Great Wall of China, and then like over the dunes and like you know Saudi Arabia or something, and then through all these different areas and across the world, you know. And what was cool is there was no sound except for like tires on like the ground and all these like sounds of the bike but that was it but it sounded like i was there and i'm like this isn't like a surround sound theater like i would be like into it like feel like i was (laughs) on the bike and they should do like a vr like headset on the guy riding it 
And I would be crazy if it like hooked me. So I'm sitting there watching. There's a three minute video, but like the whole three minutes, I'm like, this is great. I love it. And then it was a commercial. Exactly. And that's how we Audi. fucking get you. Audi. That's <laughs> how we get you. Oh. We're here, we're like, it doesn't yeah. stop or anything, and all like right. seasons or trains. And I'm like, Jesus, they got me. They got There's, me. They, they got me good. And then today I went and bought an Audi. And it, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that's thing. The we're working with a client right now on a on a VR project that's similar. That want they want to be able to take people into their facility and show them what it looks like and sounds like, and it's like a self guided VR. 360 walkthrough video tour and we're building that soundscape to draw people in it's super fun but it's like hanging out with like yeah. the weird guy in the corner with, with right. your headphones on listening to your the five bird that's, microphones you've put that's everywhere. us we're the weird guys yeah. in the corners <laughs> we try to be the cool weird guys in the corners but you know if you ever watch a video that's the greatest idea we'll have to talk after. we should definitely talk about that oh yeah the marketing thing for oh yeah for Swenius. Yeah. I have a really cool idea for a marketing idea for Swanios too. That I, it's yeah, a, we've been it's talking a, about this for a, a, it's a drone shot. We've been that talking about this for, for three years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've been talking about this talking about this with you yeah. specifically since you guys invited us on this. But the whole point with what we're doing is we're trying to elevate the industry by giving uh, people the visuals that they would expect from the companies at the bar that already exist. So so many of these companies have this high level of presence, product, and marketing, but. If you look at a lot of Instagram feeds from a lot of big brands, too many of them are populated with iPhone photos, totally. stu- stu- so stupid memes, which are fine. I love a good meme now and then. Yeah, but, but can you like create an alternative account? Yeah, that it's just your dank it's meme like stash, when so I don't feel bad about it's unfollowing like you when anymore. When you have when you have a professional Instagram account, but you all, half of your pictures are of your dog. Cool, I want to see your dog. Make your dog an account. Like I, I, get an, I made my baby an accountant, like a gentleman. Right. Yeah, but like. that's the whole thing of what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it so that people don't click away, look away, scroll away whenever yeah. they're getting to your to your content. I've online. definitely done that too. Because I've seen something, I'm like, and this sounds terrible. I don't know if I'm judging or not. But I want to go Be to like judgy. a safe environment. I want to go to a place where I can trust and they're dependable and reliable. And I go to a place and there's a bunch of memes. I'm like, were they like 18? Yeah, like, like what legal? is this? Well, that's yeah, the thing. If you look at the people who are running these accounts, and you're, th- and I'm not knocking anybody in particular, but if, if you're it's getting paid... It's certainly a social strategy. Yeah, it's, if, if, if there, there's, a, there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. But if you're getting paid to run a social media account, and that's your visual presence, is that the best foot forward? Is that how you want to present yourselves? Yeah. So we t- we're trying to take that stance of we can make things better visually, not to knock the companies that are doing things the way they think they should be, but for companies who want to try something different, we want to be the problem solvers, the visual solution providers for them. And we take pride in that. We have a lot of fun with it as we do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, so we were, we were pre-gaming before this pretty hard. And we All right. a lot of content, so we'll try to wrap some of that back in. Cool. So. I like that you know you guys have fun with this. So talk about your like work schedule, twelve months. <clears throat> talk about how you guys take a break and then for personal, um, oh, you know, absolutely. Stuff. So about, like the millennial hustle. I think that's totally yeah. like you know millennials because it's it's like we need time to, for ourselves to re, you know rejuvenate, get back to who we are, and like we're so true to ourselves that we have to do what we want to do in life to enjoy it, but at the same time we're willing to commit to things. And that's exactly what you guys do. It is, and we do it as creative millennials, and I think that creatives, we have a, an extra little burden to bear because our thing isn't like trying to mountain bike in the in the weekend. It's, I want to go shoot this film that's going to take two years of my life. I want to record this record that's going to take two months of my life. I, I want to do these things, and so it, since it takes such a significant chunk of time to do it, we wanted to, to make our company 
enable it. So uh, we built in a work schedule where we're nine months on in the year of doing commercial client work and working within the industry, and we're kind of building up a bank for ourselves and as an employee-owned company. We're then spending our entire company budget on our next three months, quote-unquote, off where we're going and we're working on that passion project that we've been building. Um, we write grants as well, and so we we help to just try to fund our own passion projects in the back end. We have a, a film in Oklahoma that we've been had in pre-production for about six months now, and it looks like we might actually be able to fire off in a few months that we're really excited about. And uh, well, what's cool though is it's not even like you're taking time off work because of what it's, it's making you better. Yeah. And then like when you go back to your commercial work, guess what? Now your clients and your customers are going to get even better work because you're bettering yourself. You're exactly. taking time to, for self-improvement. And we try to find ways to like build up playing with a new toy or experimenting with a new yeah. shoot style or, or, or using new technology out in the field on that passion project so that we can come back with a new skill. That's how we learned VR was we just bought 360 cameras and started you know, fucking around with them. And it turned into shooting actual projects with them for, you know, from everything like the world record waffle stack that was broken here in Denver two weeks ago. I don't know if you saw this Pulitzer worthy Twitter thread oh from the, the Denver Post's Elizabeth Hernandez, but our own Andy Caldwell was also on scene shooting the waffle stack in 360. And holy shit, was that excellent footage. It was phenomenally cool. But that's the kind of thing that was enabled by the fact that we're naturally curious. I bought 360 cameras so I could shoot the Dragon Boat race at Sloan's Lake for the Denver Post last summer. And that turned into, hey, Vince, do you want to go shoot something cool? Let's go take these 360s and do this. Go do that. We have mm-hmm. like a list in a book of like six or eight ideas that we want to shoot that we will we will that we're working on right now. But this is the kind of thing. I got to go shoot this waffle world record attempt two weeks ago for my friend Spencer and it was the kind of thing that enabled us uh, that to be able to do that you know yeah. this kind of natural curiosity we're both journalists by training so we try to find ways to go and weave that into stuff and that that, that work life balance is really important for us because we're in you know as millennials ding right the yeah, right. yeah, there's yeah. The one, there it is right. hashtag work life avocado balance avocado toast y'all. eating and, yeah yeah living with huge student debt millennials yeah, yeah that's and us so we want we want work life balance within our own work work though so we we, right. we we want to make sure that we have a culture within F420 that passion is allowed to take over that's that's what nerd af show is also for us right now we wanted to do something that we really gave a shit about that we could build into something that that might make money but it started out as just something that we wanted to do we had a really good idea and we just wanted to execute it so we assembled the avengers and put that podcast together and 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 the fact Mm -hmm. that now it's actually building into a property that we can might be able to hand to somebody else to manage soon is very exciting to see and only 12 episodes wow yeah it's important we 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 try not to waste time on things we've only been in business for about seven or eight months ish yeah vince vince Vince, uh we bought our dot com in january 2018 that's true vince parted ways (laughs) with the post in uh late november last year oh wow and and we we had he, he called me as he was leaving the post for the last time saying well i'm done now what and we came up with the idea of doing this, building on my background as a, as a commercial and freelance guy and his background in the industry. 
and we realize this is what we're going to do, but we're going to do it differently. We're going to have fun. We're not going to work 90-hour weeks when we can work smarter, not harder, and then figure out ways to shoot the kinds of things that we both yearned to shoot in our respective previous lives. These long-form docs, that the one that we're working on in Oklahoma right now, uh, came to fruition on that first phone call. Yeah. I was in the car driving from State College, PA, where um, I used to live, uh, with a whole bunch of stuff that belonged to Vince that was at his parents, a bunch of stuff that Including was... Including a bunch of Otto's beer. Shout yeah. out to Otto's yeah. beer in yeah. State yeah. College, Pennsylvania, the best fucking craft brew house ever. Yeah. Carrying beer over state lines. But we talked, uh, no joke, for 10 hours in the car. And this product was one of the things we thought, how do we do this? We do this project that we've been talking about now for 10 hours yep. by finding a way to afford to take three three months out of the year to go do that project after building enough of a nest egg as a company and then go sell that project as a film and make money off that. Yeah. We're not just doing this to, oh, yeah. to screw around and have yeah. fun. Yeah, I sure mean, we I'm are. I'm kind of doing but, it to screw around and have but, fun. But, <laughs> but he's the business side. That's, that's the important part. But yeah. Vince and I, yeah. exactly. Vince yeah. and I have always that's wanted... That's why this works. <laughs> we've always wanted to work on a project together so we could go and, and, and enter film festivals and, and apply for awards and do cool stuff to get a story even uh, greater depth and breadth. So this is the kind of way that we can do that. We'd love to be able to do that for clients, and we try to push clients toward those things. But we're also trying to find ways. Yeah, if you want to fund a documentary right now, <laughs> yeah. I have a couple yeah. of really great ideas. Hello at, at f420films.com. Yeah, yeah. get, so get in tell. touch, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's we, right. So we have a lot of fun with it. All right, so, let's, so you guys are obviously journalists and covered a bunch of topics, but your company is rooted in cannabis. So yes. why the cannabis industry? What about it is appealing to you? Or what makes your business successful in this industry? Um, so cannabis has always been present in my life, but it's never been a very particularly important part of my life. And I think that that's a key detail in, 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 in my backstory and all of this. Because when I came to the Denver Post, I went to the Denver Post to be a journalist for one of the most prestigious newspapers in the country. And the fact that they were starting a marijuana beat definitely piqued my interest. Yeah. But I was there to be a journalist first, and when I met Ricardo Baca and I talked to him about what his vertical was and how he was running it, and I saw the big fucking capital J that he put on his journalism, and that he was willing to butt heads with the industry, the fact that he was willing to independently test edibles for their potency, and actually called out the industry and helped <laughs> force the state to actually start regulate potency in edibles because of a Denver Post coverage, that's a big story. I really admired that. I mean, originally he was some dude I heard on, wait, wait, don't tell me, don't get me wrong. But then he evolved into this great editor. And I was like, wow, you take such a serious approach to this that I, I got interested in covering the industry. And so personal consumption habits aside, I was very excited to be approaching this brand new industry uh, as, as, as an independent observer and, 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 and kind of also as a participant journalist. And uh, I fell in love with what I was seeing. I was, some of the most wonderful human beings in the world were finding a niche home and they were finding a version of success that I find really appealing where they absolutely love their life and they are doing exactly what they wanna do until the day they died. And I realized that that was 
that was what I was really, really looking for. And I really loved being a journalist, but I also, I, I particularly love story, storytelling and making pretty pictures and doing it with people who are so passionate about what they're doing and love it so much just made me, I was like, yeah, obviously I'm going to go join that industry. That's, that's, that's the industry where I feel at home. And then Andy had to be there because I would have been a screaming failure without him. Like, it would not have worked, but now it does because he reminds me to invoice people, which is apparently an important key detail. Who knew? He even makes the invoices for me so that I can just send them on. Like, important shit like that, yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's what really brought me into the weed industry. And it was like, this is just, it's the spot in time that... It's all coming together. I, I'm a river rafter, and I, I'm a firm believer that when you get tossed out of the boat, put your feet down river and let the current take you, and just be ready to hit a rock or two. But you're gonna make it through it, and that's kind of how I approach life. And the industry was just the spot to do that. Yeah, I think. That's yeah, that's cool because that's really similar to my story. <clears throat> and I don't think I ever told it before, but I'm so excited. To, ooh, breaking here. news on Lit and Lucid. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. the scoop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for this. <laughs> no, so I mean, it's always been a part of my life, and that, and that's why I still look back and I'm like, it was never something that like sparked, you know, that oh, I need to be doing cannabis, but it was always there, mm-hmm. and it was never like negative, never positive. I guess it was neutral, totally neutral. But then in college, when I got asked to join the research lab to start <clears throat> trying to figure out, you know, what is there, they were pretty adamant from the beginning that you know we call it cannabis, we don't call it weed, we don't call it pot. Um, we're going to approach this the right way, and we're going to take a neutral stance because that's what we do at a university, an academic university, neutral stance. Is it CS and, Pueblo, uh, one of the first large universities to be to have a cannabis uh, focus program? So just shout so out to CSU cool. Pueblo when they did that groundbreaking. The second one shit. ever in the U.S. Yeah. It's crazy, and I still don't think it's ever like it's not really like caught on yet to what's going on there, like how big it is, even if. Another university takes over, like CSU Pueblo, like wrote the groundwork on how to just say fuck it and just go do it and be like, come okay. and stop us. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. We covered it the cannabis, and I was just that's like, man, it. that was a really cool thing to do. And now I'm really happen. proud of the university for taking that step, and that's why I was like, I want to be part of that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I knew that you know I could take a neutral stance, and I'm okay. You know, I liked it, and I was supportive because I seen like the economic benefits and I seen the health benefits. But I was like, you know, if there's nothing there, okay, I can walk away at least knowing that there's nothing there. And at least I participated just like you were. Yeah. And like can knowingly say, hey, at least I participated. We tried. Nothing there. But the total opposite happened. I got in and started reading the research. And it was there. Um, started meeting some of the people. The passion, like you said, was huge. And that's what immediately just like sucked me in. I was like, there's something here for sure. And then you meet the people and you're like, there is something here that drives them too. Without even knowing, like the scientific research side is kind of backing it up a little bit and it's still kind of progressing that for progressing that direction. The people already know it and they're like, I'm doing it, like this is it. And then now that I'm in the industry two years later, everybody asks me all the time, you know, why do you do it? And I'm like, it's the people, mm-hmm. literally the people. I don't, you know, what I do, I love what I do. You know, I'm very good at my job. I handle it, take care of it, I'm a top performer. But why do I do that? The people. Why do I wake up every day? The people. Because I look forward to talking to my customers. I look forward to meeting you guys. I look forward to talking to Lucy, meeting her friends, and going to work every day because everybody loves it. It's great. And I've mm-hmm. never seen that. And I'm like, this is where I want to be, just like you guys. Yeah. I take the same kind of stance. And uh, 
you know, we worked on a, a, a short documentary film at the very beginning of our company where we interviewed people about uh, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions' decision mm-hmm. to, you know, return, return things to the Wild West in terms of cannabis. And, and we started the video with him saying, good people don't smoke marijuana. <laughs> and I always, I, I always oh, thought... Off, motherfucker. Right. Oh. I always thought that that was, um, that was just incorrect. And I'm a journalist... I try not to take judgment with what people say. I try to look into why my gut tells me something. And my gut told me, and continues to do so, that that is straight up horseshit. You can quote me on that. Here's the thing. I don't care what you think about Attorney General Jeff Sessions. It doesn't matter to me. I will cover the industry when I can. But I think that the data has shown that that is incorrect. And our job as a company, and my job as a journalist, is to show what the reality and the truth is. Do those capital J uh, uh, journalism acts, I always say commit acts of journalism because so often it seems like we're swimming against the tide, Um, but show what the truth is. Show who these companies are, show that they're not out to get you, they're not out to poison your kids or, you know, twist your children into demons or anything. That's the best part about working in this business because there's so many good people that make it a cool place to work. And I'm coming from a state, coming from Pennsylvania, coming from a background where cannabis was not a part of my life. Um, it was in college because it, my, my friends would, would consume, but I never did. And Shout out to Ricardo Baca who got Andy Caldwell stoned for the first time with yeah. a it's wonderful Delfonse yes. chocolate. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. And, and that was one of those experiences where I realized this is, this is what this is about. You know, I was in a, in, a, in a room with a bunch of really trusted people teaching me and sharing with me and showing me what this is about. It's not a bunch of dirty hippies who are getting stoned around Some a of us are dirty hippies. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at the people who own and operate and work for these companies and who run this industry, who lobby for the things that are happening right now, um, those are not those awful, terrible degenerates that too many people make them out to be. So for part of, part of what we do at our company and as people, as friends, as uh, you know, active participants in this industry, we try to show what the truth really is. You know, and we want people to to join us and understand that you know everybody has their take on it. Here's ours. Ours happens to uh, hopefully mesh with what the majority of the people in this industry feel. Ours yeah. reflects the reality. Right? Yeah, that's the that's big. Thing. It's coming from two people, yeah. from two guys, two cis white men, but. It's our perspective, and we're trying to report and share and proliferate what we have seen in the industry, which is especially important for me as an outsider who's not from Colorado, who did not do any work in this industry until two-ish years ago. And now we have a unique chance, and we have that position from being you know, two guys with privilege to go and make those stories and to tell those people out there what's really going on here. Yeah, absolutely. No, I laud you both for standing up and supporting that. Because I think that's the biggest part for even our age group is the data is out there saying that millennials are still the ones that are very conservative with sharing their personal consumption habits and their views on marijuana because we've been stigmatized our whole life with dare programs and just say no and all this stuff that did not work. But it's been pounded in our head that drugs are bad for you, and now it's like this gigantic, you know, internal pull with 
the data is there to support that marijuana legalization is actually good or more positive than it is negative. Um, but people are still scared to stand up and support that. It's working. I would. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would say data supports positive or negative, but I would definitely say that it reflects that cannabis legalization and regulation is working. It is. It's effective. Um, youth use in Colorado did not rise. It was already amongst the highest in the nation before cannabis legalization, but it did not rise. And a couple of studies have shown it to fall since legalization. Um, there is a reporting bias there, of course, but. I, I agree. Statistically, it is absolutely showing that yeah, it is working, and normalization is the next step now. Yeah, and I think something I posted the other day. Nancy Grace predicted in 2015 that Colorado would be this hot mess of crime. You know, now that cannabis is legalized, wreck. Caught to blame. Yeah. Crime rates dropped in a lot of yeah. major, you know, crime categories, and it's like, hey, they were wrong. They were totally wrong. And even now, the data is out there showing that um, in states with medical marijuana, opioid use is dropping tremendously. And growing every year and I think that's a huge positive thing and state tourism and visit Denver and they wouldn't even acknowledge um, the rise in tourism numbers and the steady tourism even with bad winters that we've been having since legalization until very recently wow. and now they're allowing you know advertising for events on the jumbotrons on the mall and things like that and, um, mm -hmm. mother's high tea had a giant advertisement above um the 16th street oh mall really that's awesome that, like, was that cool. is so that's fucking cool, cool. Yeah. it was right after i moved not long after i moved here and we were, and on we were a, walking along we we're like oh shit they've started we, putting it up <laughs> susan squibbs event we stopped and watched that scrolling banner for, for maybe 10 minutes yeah. to make sure that we ads, saw yeah. what we Correctly. thought we, we saw. Did, yeah. And I don't think it was the only cannabis industry thing on that yeah. board that, or on that mall. NCIA had a... NCIA, shout out to those guys yeah. and gals who run that and organization. Bobby Days last week in Washington, so, yeah, we'll yeah. so we try to do our part to make things, to make this industry um, uh, accepted, normalized. You know, we're not trying to be... Uh, super outspoken activists. We're trying to illustrate what's going on in this industry, and so much of that happens to also be activism. You know, we're working on some things with some nonprofits right now that are just starting to be in the works, doing some social media and public image campaigns um, for that same reason. This is an industry that we believe in, and it's the kind of thing that we believe in so strongly that we're throwing all of our energy into photographing, filming, and reporting, and covering, and documenting what's going on. Sure, some of it's for commercial stuff, but a lot of it's because this is the lifestyle that so many people are involved in, us included, more and more, that it's an important thing to recognize. Absolutely. And document, and share sure. Yeah. I love it. So I have a note here, and I think we should probably talk about it. So, the collapse of cannabis journalism. The collapse of cannabis, or the imminent collapse yeah. of cannabis yeah. journalism. So Vince has thoughts so on this. Yeah. Like I'm told. News to the industry. I mean, I haven't really heard of it. I'm not you know, big on journalism. Is well, it something that everybody knows, or? I don't know if people know it, but there was a there was press about the the Denver Post's uh, editorial board making the decision to. Um, remove the full-time dedicated staff for the cannabis to the vertical that the Denver Post put out. Um, and that doesn't mean that their marijuana coverage is necessarily going to come to an end. Their, po their political writers, if there's something going on in the Hill and they happen to write a weed story for the Post, that will probably be posted on the cannabis, but it's largely going to be a bot aggregate site now. Um, and 
Green State's uh, back a bit, I think. Well, David, David Downs at Green State yeah. left, uh, the editor of, of the San Francisco Chronicle's uh, Cannabis mm-hmm. Vertical. Um, at last check, the Californians, um, uh, Brooke Edward Staggs is still there. And uh, but it's just it looks like people are starting to wrap cannabis reporting back into uh, general pool reporting at, at ever diminishing local coverage right. papers and, and television stations, which, as everybody knows, there's a million different things in local news that is not being covered right now. And everybody should give a shit about that. People are not attending town meetings right now or community meetings. And so decisions are being made that affect literally the block that you live on without any public oversight, which is a big issue. And the cannabis industry is poised to be a billion dollars, already a billion dollar industry with diminishing resources in, in watchdog journalism and in, in people who are actually watching out for the people's interest, for the public's interest. Because billion dollar industries tend to quickly go off the rails and become pretty shitty industries pretty fast. And while cannabis is very cozy cottage and cute right now, while the federal walls are up, Canada's coming online, other countries are coming online, federal legalization for the U.S. is imminent. And when that happens, the game's going to change. And without people watching this, it, it could be poised to become a not so awesome industry without regulatory oversight. And, and so I'm, I am concerned about suddenly, are, are there people, what is the coverage? Who is actually watching out for the public right now? And who is, who is really looking into this industry that is becoming gigantic? And it's something that has, like, when I'm sitting on my porch staring at the, the Aspens, I'm like, oh, oh nobody cares about pesticides and weed but me. People got to care about pesticides and weed. But what happens if at one small, late, extra session judiciary, like, committee meeting, they decide to do away with government oversight on pesticide spray and nobody gave a shit about being there to cover it? And suddenly we're smoke we're smoking like Eagle Twenty again. Oh like, can you imagine that world? But it could happen if this industry gets large enough and the coverage of it gets small enough. Right. The issue that I see coming from somebody who's still an active working journalist outside of F four twenty films, but for other news organizations, um, I've seen a shift in uh, cannabis reporting that masquerades as normalization. You know, it's uh, covering cannabis as an agriculture story or as a politics story. That's fine, and I'm glad that that stuff is still being covered, but what Vince just talked about scares the crap out of me because I'm coming into this industry very new, you know, and, and, it, and to watch in the, the short almost two years that I've been here to see the drastic shift in how cannabis reporting, cannabis journalism has changed, that alarms me. Not only because that was one of my clients and what I was doing was a lot of related work that the, that part of the industry would benefit from, for me personally, but also because I see it as a public health concern. Yeah. I see, you know, the, the, the pesticides issue is a great idea. The um, social consumption. Dosage you know, in edibles. Dosage like in edibles. That kind of coverage from the cannabis led to state regulation. Like, 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 prove me wrong and sound off in the comments and tweet at me if I'm incorrect here, but the number of organizations covering cannabis as a serious journalistic beat is shrinking. In, at least in the terms of the number of people who are physically reporting on this work. And so for me, from where I sit, I am dismayed and distraught by this because it is too important to ignore. And we, the consumers, should care. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. and every time you go to a dispensary, every time you go and get your your med card, every time that you do something that's related to the regulation in this industry, you should be aware of the way that those things are affected by relative inaction on the part of too many people. And absolutely. that's all I have to say about that before I go off on some more heated topics about this, but uh, it's it's too important to ignore. Yeah, it's the, the the political system in this country is so local. People, my mom wrote herself in on a ballot for a county position as their um, constable and fucking won. Oh yes, oh, and myself. she became the, the the judge of elections yeah. instead. But yeah, because she wrote her name in for everything that she didn't know right. yeah. the candidates for, and she doesn't come vote for people. She doesn't vote without knowing what's going on. Yeah, um, she wrote her name in, and that's like. That's how small politics can be, though. Oh, yeah. The sheriff in your town could be voted by himself or herself into sherifhood. Like, and, and that small, tiny, it should be watched by somebody. And, and all, the way, all the way from that person, you know, the, the, the joke of, you know, they couldn't run for dog catcher and win is actually a legitimate concern. If there's some kind of health inspection job that is involved with cannabis somehow and somebody gets voted in mm-hmm. and, and they just snuck in because of some snafu or because, unsurprisingly, people not caring, mm-hmm. um, that's, a, that's an issue. That's a, and it's so much harder to reverse legislation and reverse electoral-based uh, ballot decisions than it is to prevent them in the first place. Yeah. That these issues are too important to ignore. Well, even and, we're sorry to cut you off. Sure. Oh, yeah. This kind of trails right on. When I first started uh, in the cannabis industry in Pueblo, we had the vote no. They're trying to legalize or you know yeah legalize or make it illegal to you know produce cannabis and stuff in Pueblo County again. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was crazy was like the very like last month that the opposition somehow voted like a couple of the regulations or something onto the ballot. And that like blew my mind. It like went totally under the radar. We barely found out about it. I'm like, holy cow, it was my first introduction to politics. And you find out just how easy it is for just like stuff like that. Yeah. So the public's not gonna be informed on it. If nobody catches it, they're just gonna go, I don't know what this is, just check a box mm-hmm. and then move on. And you're like, that could have changed Absolutely. the lives of a lot of people that it shouldn't have. Well, and, and in uh, Pueblo, specifically the, the chieftain, the, the daily oh newspaper yeah. just got bought, I think they just got yeah, bought or got bought by Gatehouse Media. R.I.P. Chieftain, we love you, sorry. I used to work for a paper that got by bought that was bought by Gatehouse, and they came in and said, and I promise I'm going to get this back to your point. But they came in and said, yeah, well, we're going to keep things the way they were as best as we can. Then they laid off 35% of the newsroom, and then they laid off even more people after I left. I got tired of it. I love the people for whom I worked, just not the people to whom they reported. And so why that matters in Pueblo specifically is every time you lose a journalist in a newsroom, people lose out in two ways. Not only do you lose out in one of those seasoned voices who's, who's covering something important in your town, but also you lose a little bit of credibility for your news organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. When you start running wire stories and things from the Associated Press rather than local reporting, when you're talking about a story that's happening in Utah rather than one that's happening on Utah Street down, down eight blocks from the paper, mm-hmm. that's important for your town. And when you have these things flying under the radar, like you just mentioned, that, that are almost sneaked in, yeah. 
that's terrifying to me. From a local news perspective, it's really important that people understand that the, the reason why your newspaper sucks in your town is because people are not speaking up about why it's terrible. They're not subscribing to and using their wallet to vote for what they want to have represented in their town. And it's a problem that goes past just individual local reporters. But that, you know, the, the, the chieftain is a prime example of how that's going to get worse oh, in Pueblo and Pueblo County. And it's, so the chieftain is well known to be anti-cannabis. Absolutely. And so the whole time... It's Their like, editorial board pretty, is well known to be anti-cannabis. Yeah, Their pretty, coverage is absolutely pretty, pretty, pretty down pretty, the middle yeah. and neutral on it on their editorial side, yeah. I would say. But, I, mean, I mean, it makes it a struggle in like... So that's what happened. They almost kind of screwed us up. Me out of college, that all this money was supposed to be coming to Pueblo, and then they were so anti-cannabis, and then the whole vote no thing, trying to get rid of it again, really stifled Pueblo again. And I'm like, what are you guys doing down there? You know? Right. So it's, yeah. it's all and far reaching. Journalism, yeah. journalism is, is important for people who don't even read the paper, um, who don't even look, watch TV, you know, who don't, who don't have a Twitter account. Uh, it's important who are these people who live off the grid (laughs) people who live in in districts where there's no local newspaper delivery you know the 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 participation of of journalists in everyday life is too important and affects everybody and so often it's like I don't want to read the paper because they're too liberal or I don't want to read the paper people I always laugh they say some people call the, the Denver Post too conservative in their editorial page other people call them too liberal and nobody wins and, and so, so it's too important to see that kind of diminish and wither away, especially for a young, vibrant, uh, controversial, in many people's eyes, industry like cannabis. Yeah. This feels like a good time to say fuck Alden Global Capital to the Thank you. horrible New York City go. hedge fund <laughs> that Heath Freeman owns that also owns digital first media that is fucking pulverizing the Denver Post and many other uh, local newspapers across the country right now. So yeah. I just you know felt, felt right like right news. Time. news <laughs> yeah. if, if you can't tell, cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, best plug of the night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ricardo made a similar one. I remember yeah. and I was yeah. like, yes, absolutely. News yeah. matters. Yeah. That's the tagline that that news matters. DFM workers. Yeah, we love you. News matters specifically for cannabis, but in general. In terms of the, in the ways that thing are, things yeah. are reported, as does, all yeah. of us millennials need to start caring more. Yeah. Please yeah. support your local news organization. <laughs> support the people that are you know running for public office who are not corporate shills and who actually give a damn. Yeah, can I mention the Kayvon Kalatabari uh, sign in the window? Uh-oh. Get involved in your local yeah. uh, uh, elections. Everybody Uh-oh. know who's it's running important. even a couple mm-hmm. years out. Exactly. Tune into episode 13. Oh, we love you, Kayvon. Uh-huh. Yeah, you'll learn all about that. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, this was amazing. We appreciate you guys coming out and sharing your knowledge. And yeah, we talked a lot. We're sorry. You guys did a great job. We didn't even get into Nerd AF. Sorry, Maybe we'll sorry. do that at another time. Go listen to Nerd AF on iTunes, Stitchers, wherever you can find it. Yep. Are you yeah. guys on Anchor? No, but we're going to be on Anchor we're about tonight to now. About yeah, to as soon be. as we leave, apparently. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank this has you been so a much. real treat. Yeah. So where can I mean? Do we plug where they can find you on social media? Four Twenty Films. Um. So you can go to uh, www.f420films.com. That's our website. It has a. Uh, we are actually it's our beta website. We're relaunching soon. Very 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 yeah. soon with a new one. But go now and check it out because it still has wonderful content on it. Uh, we are at F Four Twenty Films everywhere. Um, I am at Vinny Chant just about everywhere. Unless you're a weird Facebook person, then I'm at producer. Vince. Oh. Yeah. I'm at Andy Caldwell on everything. Um, 
and we take it super seriously to uh, share everything that we do on all of our channels. And yeah. so chances are good that if you find us on one, you'll find the rest of us on a couple of quick taps away from there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. We live and die by our Instagram interactions. and uh, yeah, our, Hang out with me on Instagram, please. Yeah, yeah. Vince yeah. is a... Uh, I'm going to Canada this week. There will be many stories. Go follow yeah. our 420 films. Yeah. So, but we, the important part is that, that we try to work together as a team of two. So... That's, you know, we always sign our emails, you know, Vince, and then in parentheses, and Andy, or Andy, parentheses, and Vince, because we take it really seriously, but all of our social is run the same way. Mm-hmm. So, That's awesome. yeah. Well, that is makes a dream work. That's one that is, one, yes, that sounds true here, too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're living the dream in everything that we do here. It's go. kind of our motto when people ask, how are you guys doing? Well, we're living the dream today. We're well, having fun, living especially now here on a cool podcast. There you go. There you go. And then another one of my models is Nerd Out to Get the Word Out. So. Oh, yeah, that was today's model. <laughs> nerd Out to Get... We're going we're gonna, we're gonna, to face down. a game called <laughs> Nerd Out to... We will at you on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're gonna, on the episode that you're on for, we'll, we'll play a game titled that. Yeah, I started my company, Let's Overthink, and people ask, what do you do? And I said, Nerd Out to Get the Word Out. They thought I was joking. I'm like, just wait. That's what I dig it. People love nerds. Down so with no that. Idea. Thanks for giving us your time. And if you made it to this point in the show, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, thanks guys yeah. for hanging in. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> All right, with that said, I'm lit. I'm lucid. All right, this is episode 11. You guys have a good night. Later. Oh, it was episode 12. Holler. <laughs> <laughs>